Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to put your finger in two places. Let's go Psalm 127 and Ephesians 6. And here's kind of the vision of this series. Um, We came out of the series that started the year where we were talking about the attributes of God. And we were talking about who God is. And uh, I wanted us to just take a big chunk in the new year. And essentially, it's a worship series where we're talking about who God is. And then this series is digging in on our relationships. And when I look at kind of where we're at with this pandemic, I think it's easy to fill up our minds with so much media content that comes from people that leave God out. And so there's an abundance of podcasts and YouTube videos. There's always people that are trumpeting ideas. And there's a lot of good content, but we as Christ followers want to build relationships where God is the centerpiece. And so we made our theme verse, this idea out of Psalm 127 that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So it's easy for us to build our, or even get content on our marriages and leave God out, our families leave God out, friendships leave God out. And I want us just to build with God as at work, God as the, we don't want to leave him out. We want to, so we're always building, but we want to build with God as the builder. So I think it's easy to build in vain. And I want us to dig in on this. So last week we talked about marriage and that was fun. This week we're going to go after family and talk a little bit about parenting. Now, here's the idea. I want to encourage you with this. These are discipleship principles. So even if you are single, can I get an amen? Any single people here? What's up? What's up? What's up? All right. There we go. All right. All right. Uh, even no matter where you're at in life, these are ideas that we learn about Jesus and then how to influence other people. So this is not just a moment to check out if you are a single person. This is a moment to lean in. Also, I I would encourage you, uh, if you're in a place where you haven't had kids or if you're an empty nester, I think these ideas, as you make disciples, all of us are called to make disciples. So Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So all these are discipleship principles. We're just gonna kind of lean into how we live out these discipleship ideas that we see in the scriptures with our families, all right? So Ephesians chapter six, let's go there. Then we're gonna pray. Ephesians six, Paul says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Big word. Do not exasperate your children, verse four. Instead, so don't do this, do this. Transition word. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The New American Standard gets at that word exasperate by giving it a few words instead of just one. So it comes out, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Big idea. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Just one more, because I like the way that Eugene Peterson comes after in his paraphrase, the message. He says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand. Great imagery. I just picture, you know, take them by the hand. Unless your 16-year-old grows taller than you, then you just take them by the hand. All right. (laughs) Take them by the hand. And lead them in the way of the master. 
Father, we love you today, and I pray for moms and dads that are able to lead their children in the way of the master. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would help us. We need your help. We're raising up our kids in a culture that is so godless, and we need supernatural intervention. So we ask that you would help us. And I just pray for every parent and everybody that's going to be parents and every, every uh, parent that's got adult children and every single person that's dreaming one day. I just pray for every single person in that whole dynamic. I pray that you'd help us, God. We pray that our families in Kansas City would look like Jesus. We pray that you would help us to have radiant families in a dark world. We love you. We honor you. Radiant said amen. Amen. I heard a story about a uh, dad pushing his toddler uh, at Walmart. And the toddler was going crazy, just screaming and crying, red face, going nuts, screaming, nah, nah, you know, going nuts. And so dad's pushing the toddler and he's just looking straight ahead going, it's going to be okay, Brian. And the toddler is just (laughs) pointing at stuff. And the dad is just pushing forward. This will be over soon, Brian. And the toddler is just, I want that and Matt and smacking him on the cheek. And dad is just moving forward. We'll be home soon. I'll get you in the car soon. I can take care of, I can, uh, everything's gonna be all right, Brian. And the clerk, when he pulled up to the checkout, his kid was so impressed. The clerk goes, wow, Brian's got a great dad. The man looked at him and said, what? He says, so comforting of you to be so kind to your little boy, Brian. And the dad looked at the clerk and said, no, 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 I'm Brian. (laughs) But I think that that that's how I have felt quite often. In fact, honestly, when I read Ephesians 6 and was praying on it this week, I was like a little annoyed that Paul told Fathers not to exasperate their children. And I thought, shouldn't it be pointed towards children? Don't exasperate your fathers. Like this text here with fathers, this, can get, this, is, this, this idea is parents. This idea is not just specific to fathers. This, is a, uh, this idea is in the parenting realm. And I think we would look at it and, and go, man, parenting, leading our kids, it can provoke us to anger. And so I think it's easy for us to look at these and, and of course, where Paul starts in verse one is he says, children obey, children honor. And then he flips around here in verse four and he talks to fathers. It says, fathers, don't exasperate. Don't provoke your children to anger. And here's what I look at when I read this. I read this and I see Paul concerned with the internal heart and the makeup of the kid. So I think that it's easy for me as a parent where I am right now, I'm in the thick of it. I've got a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, and it's easy to just try to maintain, like just bring peace, focus in on behavior. Let's just, and, but, but if you lean into, here's Paul coaching church in Ephesus, talking to fathers, and he gets down into the heart of the child. Like, don't, don't exasperate. Don't, don't come down hard on them in such a way that the response, so he's talking about the emotional heart response of a child. Just an intriguing idea because he could hear clearly just talk about how to bring order, but he's talking about the response of kids caring for the heart of the child. Interesting because in our culture, easy to focus in on a whole lot of things because we got a lot on our plates because we're not just looking at 
focusing in on behavior. We're trying to focus in on education. We're trying to focus in on sports. We're trying to focus in on transportation. We're trying to focus in on food. We're trying to help them go to college or help them get trained to do whatever job they're going to do. We, we have such an abundance of things that are all good things. But let Paul here bring out a value for us that we put front and center, and that is to value the heart of your child, to value what's going on inside of them so that they have a response that's right. Ultimately, their response to God. Uh, Renata and I uh, had four kids in five years, and we're raising our kids in Colorado before we moved to Kansas City. And uh, I worked at a church where I was... uh, Served in youth ministry for 15 uh, years there, five years prior to that, but 15 years there. And, and so I worked with about 600 teenagers. And uh, I loved it, honestly. Like, the whole, the, the whole idea of it, I enjoyed it. I, it, was, it was amazing. But, but by virtue of being around these teenagers so often, uh, I saw a bunch and a whole lot of different families. And there was one family that just had these kids that just seemed a cut above. I mean, they were just incredible kids. The oldest uh, was high school, and he was a basketball player. He was sharp. He was kind. I mean, I'll just, I remember the way that he was respectful. And when we would go to worship, we would, he would worship, and he led, uh, he, he just, he led really, really well his peers. And I was just so impressed. I, you know, he was the one that I would frequently call on, used him as my illustration all the time. And then, and then the next sun down was a worship leader, I mean, big bright eyes, like just like, man, like after God and just this sharp kid, you know, uh, and, and I just love that kid. In fact, he was the kid that uh, we would do these prayer efforts and he would bring his guitar and just sing songs to God for hours. And I just love that kid. And then the next one was this young lady and she served not just in the youth ministry, but she cared for little children. And she, she was kind of the, the Enneagram seven. She would walk into the room and just light up the room and just, and, and the, their youngest was younger than the youth ministry, but I, Renata and I just seeing these three. And then you're seeing that last one who ended up being this great basketball player, great athlete, loves God. And so Renata and I were mesmerized when we had little tiny children, knowing that we had this great privilege in front of us of parenting. And so we decided to contact them and we invited them to dinner. So we got a babysitter for our toddlers and little kids and they left their mostly teenagers at home. We met them at Biagi's and I said, here's the vision for tonight. We want to take notes. You guys have done something right. Tell us what you did. Your kids are amazing. And of course, they gave us a whole bunch of content that night. But one of the pieces that I remember specifically that impacted me was Lisa, Miss Lisa. She said, she said, David and Renata, we spent so much time monologuing, telling our kids what to do, but we drive our kids all the time. And she just listed all the sports, all the music, school, church, all the things. And she said, we found ourselves just spending loads and loads of time in the car. So instead of wasting the time or instead of just trying to get behavior modification and telling our kids what we think, one of the pieces that we invested was we would just listen to our kids and focus in on conversation to try to figure out what was going on inside of their heart. So instead of just telling them what they did wrong, asking them what was going on in their heart and their head and and then trying to get shared values, trying to get to the place where it's not that they're doing just what we command, 
because we command it, but because they're growing in their value of our Godward, Godward worldview. That's hard to say, Godward worldview. And, and, and I'll never forget, she began to talk about just the dialogue of helping their kids have conversations about what it meant to follow Jesus. And here's what I love about that. I love the intentionality. And, and I wanna invite you guys to think about what would it look like for you to be intentional with training your kids. And I just want all of us to go to the table today and just sit with Miss Lisa and just go to Biagi's and just what should we do? Only we're looking past them and we're looking to Pastor Paul here who's pastoring this church in Ephesus and he's challenging, hey, I wanna invite you to, don't provoke them to anger. It starts with a do not, but instead, instead do something else. And it's intriguing because he uses this word training. Train them up in the instruction of the Lord. When I hear the word training, I, I think about for me, like for Renata and I, we have, we have four kids and, and it's easy for us to just try to maintain order. But this idea here that Paul's talking about when he's talking about training is he's looking at the life of Jesus and he's saying, train them up in the instruction of the Lord. So you want them to know what did Jesus teach? So that word Lord, I mean, it's talking about the Lord, but it's easy for me to just kind of think, kind of, kind of just general, but if I put a picture of the Lord Jesus and I picture what did Jesus train? What did Jesus look like? What did Jesus teach? What did Jesus do? Well, then it helps me get a grid. And today what I wanna invite us to is just to go after three simple ways to train. Just three simple ideas. You, there could probably be 15 of these. And I don't say this as an expert. I say this as a guy who is out at sea saying, here we are. Let's just all go after this together. And I think that it's important no matter where you're at on the parenting journey, even if it's out there for one day. And I think that many of these things you could apply to leading a small group. But I wanna invite you to think about what it would look like to just train your kids in the instruction of the Lord. Uh, I, I grew up, we got any band people? Like you, you, you're in the band, like come on, clarinet, trumpet, percussion. There we go, Yeah. Uh, I grew up band, uh, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And when I was in the seventh grade, I had two different teachers. We had big uh, Mr. Rice and Mr. Rice was uh, big, happy, like lead the whole band type kind of guy. So I sat in the back over here, trumpet section, and you've got, you know, all the wind instruments. You got flutes, you got, you got, you got all the percussion in the back. Uh, you've got the trombones. I'm in the trumpets right back here. All right, any trumpet players? Trumpet players, all right, bless you. All right, so uh, trumpet player right here. And, and, and I felt like in seventh grade band, Mr. Rice was just trying to maintain order. Like it was just, everyone was like, purr, 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 and he was always yelling like, ah, uh, you know. And sometimes I wondered if he hated his job, you know, because... <laughs> It was so loud and um, like you started to feel bad for yourself, but then you looked at, I mean, I started to look at his job and I was just like, that is a hard job. I mean, yelling, stop, you know, and he's got this, but you know, then you've got the last chair trumpet that's still playing and everybody waits and you know, that kind of thing. So, so Mr. Rice is trying to just keep, maintain order uh, and he did a great job, but uh, there was this Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams came to the trumpet section and Mr. Williams was strategic in taking back a trumpet player one at a time. We'd go back to the back room and you would have to play music and specifically 
listen to, have him listen to you. And if you got it wrong, you played it again. And then he would mark the music, say, you missed this note, play it again. You missed it again, play it again. All right, get this. And, and then he would, sometimes he would take his trumpet and go, here's how you do it. You know, and then, and then he would show you and then you would work on it some more. And then he would say to me, typically, you got it wrong, we'll try again next week. All right, like that's how it usually ended for me. All right. But here's here's what I want to just encourage you with. I want to encourage you with three ideas on how to train our kids, like Paul says here, in training. And I want to encourage you to think Mr. Williams instead of Mr. Rice. Because I think for most of us, we're just like, okay, got to keep the yard mowed, pay the taxes. I got to like, you know, keep my kids in good behavior. And we kind of get all Mr. Rice on them where we're just trying to, just trying to survive, just trying to keep order. But I think that in the text here, there's some encouragement on training them, on actually working with them and training them, which means that we dig into their lives and we actually help them in their becoming like Jesus, in being trained in the way of Jesus. So way of the master, I wanna just talk about three different ideas that I see in the life of Jesus that I'm hopeful to invest in my kids and I wanna invite you to uh, invest in your kids and just go on this dream of investing in our kids intentionally. Because I think when I read Paul here, I think I read Paul saying, invest in a child's heart. Invest in your kid's heart. And I think for me, when I just live in Kansas City culture, I'm tempted to work on my kid's education my kids' appearance, my kids' sports, my kids' college, and, and make sure that they don't do bad things. And all those things are good. But if I go to Jesus' culture, not, you know what I'm saying? If I, <laughs> uh, little plug, but if, if I go there, then I'm looking at not just those outer things, I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at where Paul says, all right, look at heart. And so I wanna invite you not to forego these things. These are all good things. But to go, I, I, I wanna look intentionally at helping my child grow and having heart after God. All right, so let's go after a few of these. First one is this, uh, train obedience to God. Real simple. And this is where Paul starts in the text where he says, children, obey. And this is, I think, the, the first piece with kids. And actually, when we look at Jesus, Jesus personified this. So we read in Philippians 2 that Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow. So it's interesting that here's Jesus, and, and Jesus is the one who is obedient. He's our example of obedience. In fact, I think we can read about it when Jesus is in the garden, and he's looking at the cross, and he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will be done, but thine, your will be done. So it's this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, and of course, you know, the story of the cross, he's gonna be whipped and beaten and crucified. And Jesus goes to the cross, and it's this picture of obedience. And I think one of the first things that we can do is we can help our kids recognize how the, the training and instruction of the Lord is Jesus was obedient. And in addition to that, I think one of the best things that we can do is let them see obedience modeled by us. One of the temptations for us is to say, uh, obeying God is kind of an ethereal out there idea. But if you're able to actually bring it into the conversation of the family, be it in the car, be it around the dinner table, be it in the living room, wherever you are, and, and actually talk about what it looks like to obey God and what God's called you to do. So specifically, 
When your children see you obeying God, it gives them a vision of what it looks like for them to obey God. I remember when uh, I was growing up, I grew up in Northern Idaho and uh, the church that my dad pastored began to grow and we started a building project. And um, my parents came to us, uh, the triplets and uh, my brother and said, all right, um, uh, we are going to sacrificially give financially to this building campaign. We're gonna build this new building uh, for our church. And, and, th- and we began to talk about what would it look like for us to, to, what should we change? What should we sell? What should we do? Well, we lived in a house that's called a parsonage where the church owned our house. Um, we got all of our clothes basically from garage sales. Uh, we had one beat up old station wagon, but the only thing we really had of financial value was a car that my dad had bought my mom. Um, I was about 10 or so. And my, my dad bought my mom this, uh, it was called a, a Oldsmobile 98 Regency Brome. Anybody remember that? All right, so there we go. All right, and so, so and my mom loved this car. Like, my, my mom's Enneagram 7, everything's a party, but when you got in her car, it was a real party. You know, it was like windows down, music up. She was like, she called, she loved this car. Like, she loved her four kids and this car. It's like she had five children, and this was her favorite thing. And so we, as children, we had an idea. Here's what we could do. Let's sell mom's car. <laughs> So then we began as a family to pray about what should we do? And I'll just never forget where the family who said, all right, we're going to sell this car. This is what we feel like the Lord's telling us to do. We're going to sell the car and we're going to downgrade our car in order to invest in the church building. And I just remember my mom gladly doing it. You know, like I'm a little kid and I'm just, I'm just remembering my mom, not one complaint, just like if this is, and, and you know what I saw right there? I saw I'll, I'll, I'll obey. And, and here's what that did. It took it from being just uh, Sunday school concepts. It took it from being something I, to, that I learned, heard in a sermon. Or we didn't have VeggieTales back then. We had Superbook. Um, and there you go. All the children of the 80s said, what's up? Gizmo. And so, uh, and, but, but, but I saw obedience in my parents. Cheerful obedience. One of the best things that you can do as a parent is model obedience. And when a child sees that it's not just them, it's actually my parents obey God. So Jesus obedient to death on a cross. Parents obey God. I'm, I'm going to obey God. And the way that I obey God is I obey mom and dad. And you wanna help them have obedience to you and help them learn to obey God. One of the first things is you could do, first things you can do is help train them. So actually have conversations. Go all Mr. Williams on them and help. I mean, actually don't just maintain order, but here's what it looks like to obey and actually work on training them to obey. Second idea is this, not just uh, train, but also train in relationship with God. So that you're looking at um, your win for them is relationship with God. So I look out for me with my kids um, and my touchdown, my win is that they would have relationship with God. So my big win isn't just um, their college education. It's not just that they f- finish school. I, it's specific. I love a lot of good things, but specifically my aim is that I'll connect them to them knowing God, them walking with God so that they, if they walk with Jesus, then all the days of their life, it's, it's good. 
that's the big touchdown. That's the big win. That's the big goal. So then if you kind of reverse engineer it, then I'm not just throwing it to luck, like let's just hope it works out, but God, what's my role? What can I do to help my kids in this season get to know God? And so when we read Jesus, Jesus was always getting alone to be with his father. And what we found, one of the best things that we can do is help our kids get alone with the father, get alone and be with God. So I like to say that there's a lot of things that I will not invest in. I tend to be fairly frugal with our family. And so um, when we go out to eat, I will not allow my kids, you know, to get the Coke extra dollar. Cheese, no way. Those are hamburgers, not cheeseburgers. I'm not paying that dollar. You know what I'm saying? Like, do not get a side of ranch. No, 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 no 25 cents extra. You know, like there are things that I will not spend, all right, because they have no immediate value to me. But my daughter, Olivia, she has a $60 prayer journal. <laughs> That's kind of expensive. Yeah, because it's something I care about. So, so I'll, I'll, put, I'll put some dollars, I'll put some attention on that. Are you with me? So here's what I wanna invite you to. Picture Jesus getting alone with his father and you, you've got an opportunity to help your kid walk with God and have a training plan. All Mr. Williams, not just, not just heard, but like, okay, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna lean in to what it looks like for you to be a worshiper. What does it look like for you to be someone who thanks God? What does it look like for you to be someone? What, in fact, what's going on in your heart right now with the scriptures? Okay, what's God called you to do? And so that it's actually this, they, they have this conversational relationship with God that you're working on. So a few Bible verses I just want you to see so that you can believe me that this is actually Jesus getting alone with the Father. Luke 4, 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. So Jesus is getting alone to pray. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So we're talking about time in prayer alone with the Father. Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do crowds say that I am? So Jesus alone praying. Then last one, Luke 11, 1, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. One more, Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got off, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, all those are just to show you Jesus alone with his father. For me, one of the disciplines, one of the instructions, one of the things I wanna train is just to help my kid get alone with God. Now here, as I say this, don't be discouraged. Don't be like, yeah, I'm not saying this as an expert. I'm saying this as someone who is like in the middle of the battle right now. I'm saying this where I'm trying to, just like you, let's get them little less streaming videos, little more time alone with God, little less, you know, DMing on Instagram, a little more time with God. I'm not saying this as an expert. I'm saying this as a beat up dad, just doing my best. All right, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but how do we help them get along with God to where they actually have this relationship with God? Easy for us to just kind of even push him in there and just, just to even get the time is the win. Maybe we go even a little bit deeper than that and start to just break down. All right, let me help you. Let me, let me, let's, let's lean in and let's go all Mr. Williams. And actually, I want you to tell me what, what is the Lord speaking in your heart? What's God saying? How, when you praise, what, what's in your heart? Let's have a conversation about the scriptures. So one of the things that we teach our kids is really what my dad taught us. So we have them, we give them prayer journals and we just have them write out praise, thanksgiving, confession, scripture, and ministry. I won't take you through all those. I just did this seminar last week for a bunch of um, uh, 21-year-olds that are uh, in Bible school, and they're all in, in a pastoral track. They're all going to be pastors. And I just, I taught them how to spend time alone with God, spent two hours just working on it. 
And one of them came up to me and said, thank you. I uh, am about to go into full-time ministry and I, I've, I've, never, I've never had someone train me in how to spend time alone with God. So, but for me, I'm going, man, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna graduate from Perkins Academy, which means you finish my house, uh, this is one of the things I really care about, all right? So, so even for that, I mean, my kids made up the acronym, Perkins Thank Christ So Much. <laughs> That's praise, thanksgiving, Confession, scripture, ministry. And I know I'm giving you a lot today. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, just trying to hit. You can, we can go people thank Christ so much. That was just ours, all right? But the idea is, I wanna encourage you with is just to get specific. What would it look like? How? You don't even have to do the training that I'm talking about for my kids, but where you are intentional saying, all right, how can I help my kids know God and walk with God and spend time with God? And I think it's important because I think I think this is really when you get down to your big win. Like, I got, a, I got some wins that I want for my kids. I do want them to be Sooner fans. Um, I do want them to be dressed well. I do want them to be taller than me. I, I got some things. I, 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 I really do want them to go to... But, but when you get down right to the core, this is strategic. I think even um, you could take this as like, when you think about our church and the way that our church is created around know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. So we have these classes that help you where we're trying to help you walk with God and know God and be an intimate friend with God. We're trying to help you be in a small group so that you have relationships that help you on the journey. And it's more than just church on a Sunday. It's some comrades that help you on the journey. We try to help you take discover purpose, discover your spiritual gifts. How has God wired you? And then help you serve on a team so that you can make a difference and do something with your life that's more than just you. I would encourage you, you could be your own next steps instructor to your children. That's my goal. I wanna help my kids know God. And you could even think, all right, how could I take this gun? How can I help my kids have the relationships? Renata and I joke around, we'll pay just about any price to help our kids have those relationships that are spiritual comrades. That's why even, in, even at our house right now, we're, we're doing... Uh, Small groups for our kids, because it's our kids' small groups. And we're like, okay, let's, let's rearrange some things to help our kids have those relationships. How can I help my kid know their spiritual gifts and what God's called them to do so that then, my, how, my, how can I help my, my 12-year-old? How can I help my 15-year-old? How can I help my, my son or daughter, man, lay their life down, make a difference with their life? Uh, my dad tells a story um, of a pastor friend of his who was a great pastor, had four kids. And during the years that his children were growing up, they were great, good kids. As they got to be young adults, they drifted in the relationship with the church, and then ultimately they drifted in the relationship with God. And my dad verbalizes the, the sadness of his buddy who, as a pastor, was so sad to see his children become, grow distant from God. And so then the pastor went to his adult children and he said to each one of them privately, hey, I did something really well when I was a pastor and you were my children living in my home. I trained you so well in baseball. We had a great family culture around baseball and I taught you to hit and I taught you, you know, outfield, infield. We did, we did we, baseball as a family. We, we love baseball or we're a baseball family. And he said, but as much as I love baseball, he said, I feel like what I did not train you well in is to know God and to walk with God. And he said, would you be okay, even though you're a grown adult, for me to call you and 
Systematically, we just have a conversation about your relationship with God. And it's a beautiful story because then over the course of years, as uh, an empty nester, he talked on the phone with his adult children and helped them grow close to God as adults. And all of them came back and had a spiritually vibrant relationship with God. And I just wanna invite you, no matter where you're at in your season, maybe you're in an empty nester season, maybe you're in a season where you haven't had kids yet, but I'd like to invite you to think, all right, I'm gonna train my kids and man, you got some great dreams on what you wanna train them in. Baseball, sports, academics. But here's, here's one thing we're gonna make sure we get right. We're gonna make sure that we help our kids get close to God and know God and walk with God. Last idea is this, I wanna invite you to train them to go on mission for God. So first idea is obedience to God. Train them, obedience to God. Even when I don't feel it, I say yes to God. Even when it's sacrificial, it's my favorite car, I'm gonna say yes to God. That's who we are as a family culture, we say yes. And I'm gonna have a relationship with God, gonna get along with God. I mean, we're gonna know God, we're gonna walk with God. And then we're gonna go on mission for God. I think the cultural pull uh, is for us to make ourselves the center of our lives. And then even I think what I experienced living here in Kansas City is a beautiful emphasis on children, but so much so it's too much to where we can even have a culture where we say we make the children the center of our family. When as Christ followers, we believe Jesus is the center of our family. So it's not that I just moved from I'm the center to my kids are the center. It's no, Jesus is the center of our family. And if Jesus be the center of our family, then it's looking at how do we as a family, how do we help our kids train them? I mean, Mr. Williams, what does it look like to actually show them, to model obedience, model spending time with God, and model serving? This is what we do. This is who we are. I'll never forget Renan and I sitting at Biagi's with Miss Lisa. And she sa- I said, thank you so much for the way that you serve. And she looked back at me and she said, David, we don't serve because you're a good youth pastor. And I got depressed. She said, we serve because our family culture is we're servants. And I thought, ah. So this family shined in the way that they served. And people do what people see. So if little tiny eyes can see mom and dad, who are we? Man, we're a people that say yes to God no matter what. We go where he tells us to go. We do what he tells us to do. We give what he tells us to give. We sit, whatever it is, who are we? We're, man, we're, we're a people. We get along with God. Jesus got along with his father. We get along with God. That's, that's who we are. That's, and I would just encourage you, as our church, it's one of the most in, incredible things. I think most parents are living like band directors, like just maintain order, because this is crazy. I mean, my life is crazy. When I look at you and you're here at church, I'm just in love with you because I'm like, our lives are nuts. Like the fact that you're at church is incredible because our lives are insanely filled with so much stuff to do. It's crazy. That's how I feel. So I'm not saying this like you don't have anything more to put on your plate. I'm inviting you to think about what's the most strategic thing that you care about most and then say, all right, we're gonna say yes to the things that God's called us to. And I think serving, I think this is one of the most crucial pieces. I think we have some families in our church that personify this in, an, in a powerful way. 
I think we have people that serve so sacrificially. I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the things that when they see you doing, you say, this is who we are as a family. This is what we do. No matter what the context, how we serve others. It's not just about us. We want to help make a difference in the life of other people. And I think that if we'll take, all right, do not provoke your children to anger or do not exasperate your children. Instead, so don't do this. Instead, instruct them in the training, instruction of the Lord, the disciplines of the Lord. So don't do this. So here's, when I read Paul, I go, if, if we'll do these things, our children won't become exasperated. Like this is the answer to not have that. Is that I know there's some simple logic there, David. So we replace, we, do, we don't do this. And I think I'll just close with this. I had a, uh, I'll, I'll never forget one, basket, one soccer season for me, um, there was a, I was like fourth grade, fifth maybe, I can't remember, one of those. And there was another kid on the team named David. And um, his dad would come to our games and just not stop. You know the dads like that? It's not just on Disney movies. They're, it's real. Like Northern Idaho, there's dads that are just yelling the entire time. Just like, come on, David, that's pathetic. Clear it, kick it harder, David, hustle up. Come on, David. And and just yelling at David. I mean, it was so loud and obnoxious. I knew he wasn't my dad, but I was looking at the fans being like, it's not me. It's it's, it's the other guy. You know, like I experienced the verbal abuse myself, you know, like, whoa. And the other David had moments where he would just look at the ground in frustration, red-faced, frustrated. So that David, he didn't mind practice. Dad didn't scream at him at practice. Dad only came to games and just yelled at him. But we say, well, his motive was he wanted his son to be a better soccer player. Here's what I think we do. I think I saw the other David get exasperated by his dad when it came to soccer. He just like, ah, can't please. And I think that sometimes we can go all spiritual parent, like soccer parent, and exasperate him. And one of the most important things that we do as parents, see it as a privilege and not just beat him up with behavior modification and another sermon and another speech. And I'm the, I'm the preacher, so I know I gotta work on this. this is, I'm preaching to myself right now. But actually train, actually talk to him. All right, so let's have a conversation about what's going on in your heart. Why? How come? David, if we do that, it's so much work. Yeah, I know. But I think that a part of parenting is voluntarily slowing down, right? Like that's what we signed up for. In a sense, you're making disciples of your kids like Jesus made disciples. So you've got them in your house right now. And there's things that you uh, could do prior to having all these kids or one of these kids or two or seven, however many you have, Von Trapp, whatever you got going. Um, let's think about like for Renata and I. Like for Renata and I, we were going 100 miles an hour before we had kids. (laughs) Like we're doing youth conferences across the country. We we, we took kids in the summertime to China, took 70 kids to China, three weeks. We were were going a million miles an hour. Then we had four kids in five years. (laughs) Everything changed, right? Like still going after, but, but, but in order to lean in and be intentional, it's slowed down. And I just want to invite you, this is, when it comes to parenting, it is, it's a voluntarily 
I, I, I can't do all the things that I used to be able to do, but it's a privilege to invest in these little hearts. Or, and I wanna invite you, even if you are an empty nester and you have an adult child, just look at, how can I take these principles, these ideas, and lean them, push them, help take them toward Jesus? My prayer is that this simple concept Paul gives us, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers and mothers, do not exasperate. Don't provoke them to anger. Easy to do when it comes to spiritual things. Well, as long as you live in my house, you're gonna do it my way. Easy for them to go, ah. Slow down, study Jesus, look at what Jesus is like, and then you can learn from the things I brought up or you can develop your own. Say, here's how we're actually gonna, not David's word, Paul's word. We're gonna train them instruct them, take them by the hand, lead them in the way of the master. We close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, for every family that's in the room. I lift up kids that are (laughs) yet to be born all the way to kids that are 60 years old. And I ask for wisdom, strength, blessing, God, on our own might, we will fall so short. We need God in the mix. We need you. We need your help. Parenting, whew, so hard. And I pray for strength. Pray for grace. We pray for your help. We pray that we would raise radiant kids, kids that walk with God from the days of their youth. I pray for the blessing and the favor of God on every household. I pray for every mom and every dad. I pray for each one that's just desiring God and is spontaneously making choices each day with the attitudes and the decisions. So much. I pray you bless them and strengthen them. Thank you. Thank you that they brought their families to church today. Thank you for everyone that's online, that's leaning in and part of worship, prayer, and the word of God. We pray you help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and in just a moment. Um, we're going to sing one worship song. And the way that we're going to end today is we're going to sing this song. It's the song, the blessing song. And I just want it to be a prayer over you. Before we do that, I'd like to just invite you. I think that if you're online or in the room today and you hearing about fathers, even hearing about that there is a heavenly father, God, and you know, man, in my life, I, maybe you're someone who there was a season of your life where you were walking with God but you find yourself in a season where you're distant from God. Maybe you're in the room or online and you've never walked with God. When I'm talking about spending time with God or being obedient to God, serving God, you're like, I want want that with my life. I I don't want to live for me. There's good news. It's called the gospel. It's that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whosoever, that means you, whosoever, that whosoever would believe in him, call upon him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Today, I wanna invite you to just let Jesus be the Lord of your life, to make that decision. I'm coming after you, God. I'm going on the journey with God. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's not the only thing that you'll say to God. You'll begin this journey. You'll be talking to God for years to come, but it's the first thing. It says, I surrender. I give you my life. If you wanna pray that prayer with me. 
I want to invite you. I actually just, all of you that have already decided to follow Jesus, just say this prayer and we'll say it with the people that are making a, a decision today. But let's all of us, even if you've already said it before, will you just repeat this just out loud? Will you just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I will follow you. I'll spend eternity with you. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jesus a shout out today. Can we do that? Yeah.